Amen. All right. Welcome, everyone. Good morning again. How are you all doing? How's everyone? Good? Great. Uh, in case you're wondering what's with the intermittent projector issues this morning, uh, we've had ongoing issues. It's actually been really not bad lately, so we're a little bit surprised with how bad their, their projector's been cutting out this morning. So it's been one of those problems that we're not quite sure what it is. So if it's cutting out and you're like, what's going on? Um, we don't really know right now, totally. Um, so we, uh, we had our, our dishwasher go on us this past week. Um, wasn't, wasn't totally unexpected, but a little bit. Uh, unlike the last time this happened to us a few years back, we, uh, we didn't, well, last, so last time it happened, we had family dishwashing night for three months. Um, we decided this time we weren't going to do that for another three months. And, and so, like, I knew, I knew the pandemic had, had probably created some supply chain issues. I mean, I had heard about that. Uh, and so I was prepared for sort of a bit of lack of stock. So I started phoning around this week, looking to see what was available, and we had an idea of what we wanted. And, uh, and I was told that the dishwasher that we really wanted, any version of it, was about six to nine months away. And so I'm like, yeah, we're not going to have family dishwashing night for nine months. That's just not going to happen. So <laughs> that didn't sound all that appealing. Three months? So, so we opted for one of the, the models that was readily available, and it had a few less options than what we really wanted, but... You know, whatever, like we were, we were content. We were like, no, this is good. And, uh, and so one of the, the things that we had given up on our previous dishwasher when we moved was it had this glorious, I mean, and it's glorious, third rack for cutlery at the top. And it's amazing. And, and we, when we, when we had to, um, the, the model that we got, we had to give that up. And so we're like, oh, well, you know. So we get the dishwasher home. And we're getting it ready to install it. And I unwrap it and I open it up. And lo and behold, there's a third rack on this dishwasher. And I'm like, this is amazing. Like, I, it, it, I was so shocked. I, I had, like, Jess and I were like, we almost did like the happy dance in the kitchen. We were like, yeah, totally unexpected. And, and so in that moment of receiving something like that unexpected, Jess and I, like, we were ecstatic, right? And, and I know, like, it's only a dishwasher, I get it. But it's, sometimes it's the small things in life. And, and in that moment, uh, what I felt could be interpreted as joy. Could be, right? Except, and this is as wonderful of a surprise as it was in the moment, it really, when you get down to it, is only circumstantial happiness. It's because if things didn't go that way, then we're not, we don't have that, what could be interpreted as joy. It was based on a third rack in a dishwasher. And so, dishwashers aside, here's the question. How do we welcome real, sustained joy into our lives? And that's a question that I believe the scriptures that we read this morning, that we heard from Isaiah 12, Luke 2, and we sang about it. Um, but I believe that those scriptures, that they, they answer that question for us. And it's one that I, I want to spend time this morning for the next few minutes here investigating together. So I've titled this morning, Welcoming Joy into Our Lives. 
you know, it's interesting. I, I had forgotten. I had previewed that Alpha Youth video. And in there, as we were watching them going, they talk about the happiness bucket that we're all trying to fill, right? And youth are right there, and adults are right there in the midst of it. How are we trying to fill the happiness bucket in our lives? And so, you know, you can call that circumstantial happiness, unexpected surprises, right? A promotion at work, a pay raise, purchasing something, uh, going somewhere, accomplishing something, doing something that we enjoy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All those things can bring us circumstantial happiness in the moment. And, and the list of those things that we think can bring us happiness are super long. I mean, that list is, is long. And the length of time that that might last in our lives, depending what it is, can also be really varied. Right? People can live in circumstantial happiness for quite a long time. But real, lasting joy that has longevity and quality to it. I, I want to suggest that is something else entirely. And, and so along with our, these dishwasher escapades that we had this week, uh, Daryl as well came and he, he helped uh, repair the edges of our, our countertop. Uh, not the first time he's done this. Um, our our corners of our countertops like to chip off and uh, they have this tendency to chip off when chairs get rubbed against them or clothing and and so Daryl graciously uh, was able to come and help me repair that this week again and and there is a solution to all this too right that we've talked about this the solution is if we just would get quartz countertops everything would be great but you know like there's this thing called finances and money so we were, we were chatting about countertops again, and, and Daryl was commenting how much he prefers marble. And I was like, oh, yeah, really? And he's like, yeah, like he's like, because it's got longevity, and it's got quality to it that even quartz doesn't have. And, and because it just simply lasts longer than anything else out there. That's the type of joy I'm talking about. Like marble joy. Okay? Well, not really. But, but like that idea of, lasting, not, not circumstantial happiness that's chipped away, catching the drift there, doesn't last. Yeah, Daryl's catching it because he's repaired it more than once. <laughs> so here's the thing. Jesus promises us joy. Like, like, and he doesn't just promise us a little bit of joy here and there. He speaks of fullness of joy. When I read what Jesus said about joy, I'm like, there is something here. He speaks about his joy being inside of us. Like, do you ever get that? Do you catch it in the scriptures? He speaks of his joy, the joy that Jesus has being in us. I, like, I read that and I go, okay, that's joy that will last. I'm pretty convinced of that. In John 14 to 17, several times there in those chapters, Jesus speaks of us having his joy. And then in John 17, it's the chapter where he's praying to his father. He's praying for his disciples and for all believers to come. And he prays to his father that his joy would be fulfilled in us. And, and I'm operating this morning out of the premise this morning that that is truth. 
that what Jesus says there, what Jesus prays is absolute, rock solid, mail it in, bet everything you have on that. It's true. It's, it's true. And that we can experience that in our lives. Okay, while also being real, I think, that many of us struggle to believe and experience that. So I want to look at those passages we read this morning out of Isaiah 12 and Luke 2. A little bit more emphasis on Isaiah 12. To discern how do we welcome this joy in our lives. And I, I really believe this is something worth investigating for us. And I, I believe that there is deep joy for us to receive this morning. Um, so while you, while you turn to Isaiah 12, we're going to read it in a second here. Isaiah 12 continues the prophetic words of Isaiah 11 that speak of the, the coming of the one that's going to stand as a banner for all people, the one who's going to come in righteousness and faithfulness. It's speaking of the coming of the Messiah for all people. And Isaiah picks up on this, and it speaks of in that day, which is meant to be understood of the, the impact of this coming that we're going we're gonna to experience. And it speaks to both the present tense and the future tense of what Jesus has already brought and what is coming. It's, it's both a present reality to be embraced and a future reality to place our hope in. And so... Let's uh, read Isaiah 12. We read earlier from the NIRV. It's just a little bit more simplistic for kids. We're going to read from the NIV now. Um, verse, verse 1. In that day you will say, I will praise you, Lord, although you were angry with me. Your anger has turned away and you've comforted me. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Remember singing about that this morning? We sang about that. In that day you will say, give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done, and proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord for he has done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel among you. Yeah, that is so good. There's, there's a real sense of joy in these verses. Is there not? Like I, That's the sense I get when I read this and I hear this. I go, there is joy here experiencing joy, singing for joy. It, it has the echoes of Luke 2.10 that we heard this morning too. Good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Not some, not just a tiny group. All people can experience this. Both of these passages that we read this morning, they speak of the coming of the Messiah and the joy that accompanies this coming. And I, and I believe this is central to the coming of Jesus because we are all joy seekers. Every single person on planet earth is a joy seeker. We are on a quest for joy. We long for true joy. And so back to that question that frames today. 
How do we welcome joy in our lives? How do you do that? And, I, and I'm coming from this again, from the conviction that all fullness and life is found in Jesus and flows from him. Everything, that in Jesus is where true joy, true reconciliation is found. It says that in Colossians 1, that God's kingdom, the kingdom of God is infused with joy. And that God desires to fill us with more and more of his joy through the Holy Spirit. Because joy is part of the very nature of the Holy Spirit. Joy, the Holy Spirit himself is infused with joy. That's why one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit is joy. It's just part of who he is. It's part of who God is. There's joy. So how can we welcome? And, and when I say that, I mean like, how do we foster, stir, incite, pursue, get more of this joy in our lives? I want to highlight three ways this morning that I think we see here from these verses. One is the practice of praise. Second is the willingness to witness. Third is going to the source for our thirst. So the practice of praise. Isaiah 12 exhorts us to give praise to the Lord, to sing to him, to shout aloud to him, to sing for joy. Verse Verse 5, it says, like, like basically, Isaiah is saying there in verse 5, to whoever is going to listen, like I, wh whoever it is, I'm singing for joy. And I want people to hear it. But before any of that is spoken, before any of those exhortations, it starts there with, I will praise the Lord. This, this speaks of this intentional decision. Where there is the encouragement to praise throughout these verses, it still leaves us with the decision right at the beginning. Will I, will I praise? And, and, and you know, although we could perceive verse 2 negatively, like although you were angry with me, it says there, that that's pointing us back to the mercy of God. His, the point is his anger has turned away. You have comforted me. Surely God is my salvation. There is the sense here that something has brought about the removal of God's judgment that we deserved, that was on us. Our natural inclination to go our own way, to reject God, or to use God for our purposes when it suits us. And we know this is pointing us here, this is pointing us right straight to Jesus' death, and his sacrificial death on the cross. It's in these sense that these verses are speaking prophetically of what was to come. And it's this theme that actually just runs throughout Isaiah. Even if the fullness had yet to be known, and it wasn't known in Isaiah's day, but he's pointing prophetically, the Lord's using him to say, this is what's coming. It's in the realization of the magnitude, like, there's just the sheer magnitude of God's grace and mercy towards us in the coming of Jesus that praise is birthed within us. Because we like, I am so unworthy. Paul is so unworthy. I, I'm unworthy. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve the mercy and the grace of God. But God. 
you know, we generally talk about things that excite us, right? We generally talk about things that stir us. We generally talk about things that fill us with passion. We, we, we praise what we love. We, we praise what holds our affections. And there's a psychology to all of this. When we praise what we love, it's because we are looking for this to bring joy into our lives. We actually want joy, right? You're, 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 you're seeking joy, but if we're praising that which cannot provide us any lasting and sustainable joy, but only temporary or circumstantial happiness or circumstantial contentment, then we will be left with this reality of going, I feel unfulfilled. This is why God has designed us. He's saying, I've designed you to praise me. This is why scripture encourages us again and again and again. And we could just... To praise God. First, because Psalm 145 says God is worthy of our praise. He's simply, he's just, he's worthy. So we praise him. But secondly, because as created beings who were made for God and to worship him, when we praise that God, our creator, we are cultivating true, lasting joy. This is, you know, there's a whole lot of biblical truth encapsulated in John Piper's famous motto. I mean, I, I, I love it. God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. We see it in Psalm 1611. In your presence there is what? Fullness of joy. That's it. In your presence. God, you have it. We are created for worship. And because we were created for worship, therefore we are inclined to praise but it's what we praise. It's what we praise that makes all the difference in our lives. And, and this is not theological theory. right? This, these, these verses are practical when it comes to praise. They're very practical. They give us actual things of how we praise. They're not just giving us theory. They're saying this is how you do it. Because we will all instinctively praise something in our lives. So there's this practice of praise that's intentional. What do we do intentionally to praise in our lives? It's also about trusting God, not giving away to fear. I think that's huge in these days. Verse 2 says there, I will trust and not be afraid. You know, in, in the small amount of time that I knew Alvin Fry, and, and there's a bunch of us here that knew Alvin I didn't know him for that long. But he did this consistently. Always speaking of God's presence and his work in his life. And, and, and not giving in to fear. Like Alvin would say, so many times I heard him say, we serve a what? Big God. It was, it was so simplistic what he'd say. It was like, yeah. And he would just, and, and he said that with 80 years of life experience. We serve a big God. God. And it was, the thing I noticed about him is it was intentional with Alvin. There was a practice of praise that he was intentional about. So how, how can we do this with one another? How can we stir one another to this practice in our lives? One way that we praise God and one way that we welcome his presence in our midst that we cannot miss here in Isaiah 12 is with our voices through singing. 
It's really simple. Do you want to experience more of God's presence and joy in your life? Praise him. Lift up your voice. Sing. It's, it's, it's not the only way. It's not the only way we praise him, obviously. But it is a profoundly biblical way that we praise God. I, I can be having a day where I'm really, there's things that are challenging me, struggling. You know, I'm feeling whatever. Just, right, stuff that happens in life. And I make a choice. I am going to worship God with my voice. I'm going to put music on. I'm going to do whatever I have to do. And I sing. Why? Because it changes me. It changes the atmosphere. And it does something in my heart. Now you might say, like even amidst like where the scriptures, like it promises to release joy in us. That's the thing we can't get away with here, from away from here. It, pra- it promises joy when we sing. So you go, what, what, maybe you might go, like, I don't sing well, you might say. I just don't sing well, Paul. I, like, I don't like how other people, I don't, people, I don't like people hearing me sing. Some of you might not like hearing me sing. Whatever. We, we had an elder in Gateway years ago who famously, and I mean famously, sang off tune. <laughs> yeah, Carlos knows. He knew it, and so did everyone else. Everyone who was part of Gateway knew it. You know, he didn't care. That's what I loved about it. He didn't care. It didn't stop him. Like I went on a mission trip with him, and we we were in a circle and we were singing, and I'm right next to him. I'm like, oh boy, oh boy. And he's like famously singing off tune, and I'm tr- I'm struggling to keep. A note. He doesn't care. It's about the Lord. It wasn't about me. It wasn't what anyone else. And he wasn't trying to. He wasn't trying to show off, guys. It was just that he knew that he needed to praise. And I, there was so much from that that I took away. Going like there was, I, I truly believe there was something in that that experience being around him that emboldened me. Going, it doesn't matter. Sorry, it doesn't actually matter what you guys think about my singing. It doesn't matter. I not because I don't care. I just really want to praise Jesus. I do. I wish that God had birthed me with a better voice. It's okay. Uh, My point in that, I mean, it's kind of funny. My point is don't worry about what others around you are going to think when you sing. Lift your voice. Don't worry. I'm I'm honestly not going to care. I'm personally, I am not going to care if I hear people singing off tune. Whatever. How else can we welcome joy into our lives? Secondly, the willingness to witness. With our lives. In the way that we live. Yes, in what we say and what we don't say. But so much more than that. To witness is to point to another. Verse 4 here speaks of proclaiming the name of God, making known to others, which that's really what among the nations means. It's just, it's talking about like just to anyone, to everyone, to others. It's not specific nations, but it's, it's just speaking of making known the Lord and what he has done, proclaiming that his name is exalted. Do, do, do we see here what's happening in the progression of Isaiah 12? Like if you, if you read it through a few times, 
It, it's speaking of the Messiah that was to come, that's bringing salvation. And in return, because of that, his people, they respond with praise and exaltation. As they encounter God and his incredible healing, they're going, look at this Messiah. That, that's what's happening here. That's what Isaiah's prophetically pointing to. And, and he's speaking of this happening in the lives of people. And we see this as well in the shepherds in Luke 2. After seeing the reality of Jesus, they went and they saw. And what does it go on there? We didn't read it actually, but it says, they spread the word concerning him. They witnessed. It's about people who have experienced and are living within this reality of the saving work of God in their lives. Their lives witness to this reality. I am not worthy. Jesus has saved me. And I need to share that. Are we known for this? Do our lives testify to the incredible work of Jesus in our minds and in our hearts? Or do they testify to a lot of other things? Are, are we passionate about proclaiming and following the way of Jesus with our lives? That's why we want to have that as part of our new sort of mission statement, if you will, right? Who we want to be, what we want to embody. We want to follow, but not just follow the way of Jesus. We want to proclaim the way of Jesus. Why? So that others will follow. And in this, in this, please hear me. Do we extend grace to ourselves and others when we fall short? Because we do fall short. And we need grace. How does this welcome and increase joy in our lives? And I, I want to just give you a very, just very brief here, biblical framework for joy that I see. And that is that first, all the fullness of God dwells in Jesus. In Jesus, we have everything we need. Colossians 2. There's nothing, nothing you need outside of Jesus. In these days, that is so important. Clinging, everything is in Jesus. There is no other way. Jesus has fullness of joy, and his desire is that we would have his joy. We find that in John 15 to 17, that Jesus wants us to have this joy, this fullness. We know that Jesus has given us his Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth. And again, joy is in the very nature of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit wants to give that to us. And then lastly, this biblical framework for joy, in God's presence there is fullness of joy. Psalm 16, so when we are encountering God's presence, when we are becoming more aware of God's presence, when we are, that is happening in our lives, there's joy. There is just loads and loads of joy. When we, when we live in a state, a way of life, of proclamation and exaltation of God's goodness and his working in our lives, which... You know, it's this thing of abiding in Jesus. We cannot help to witness what God is doing. And, and this, this cultivates this joy that lasts within us. And, and I think a significant factor in all this for, for so many of us, and it still is for me, is fear. What will people think of me? How am I going to be regarded? What are people going to say about me? What are people going to snicker? People, Whatever, like... 
I've had to battle that my whole life. I think, I think we all do. We have to be willing to allow God to move us past that. To just say, I, this is a reality, God. I struggle with this. Would you please help me? Would you move me past this? And a lot of that is just praying for opportunities, folks. Praying that God will give you opportunities to engage others. And when those opportunities come, just taking that big step and going, yeah, God does marvelous things in that. brings us to the last, the third way we welcome joy into our lives. This is where I want to end. That is going to the source for our thirst. I, I was, I, you know, because I, I, don't, I don't look at all the, I knew what we were singing as far as songs went, but I hadn't looked at all the lyrics, and we were singing stuff this morning. I'm like, we're singing a lot about joy and wells, and stuff, and I'm like, this is awesome. Because God wants us to see this. I think there is an overwhelming majority of people who would agree that they desire sustained joy in their lives that doesn't deplete over time. People want that. The reality is, that, again, like this thing of being joy seekers, we just spend our lives chasing after this. And, and the simple claim is this, again, Jesus is the true source for all joy. Isaiah 12, 3 there, it speaks of joy that comes as a result of drawing water from the wells of salvation. It's this rich picture of these wells of salvation and we're drawing water up that sustains. So, you know, it's significant imagery for a semi-desert climate. We should see that in the text. Like this is a semi-desert climate, wells of water for salvation. Like that's, a, that's, a, that's an incredible picture. And it, it's hard not to connect this verse with Jesus' conversation with the Samaritan woman at the well. And I think Jesus was intentionally actually bringing this into that with that woman. Because what follows there with the woman at the well is this fascinating conversation. Jesus asks her for a drink of water and she's like, what are you doing even talking to me? You're a Jewish man, I'm a Samaritan woman, Jews and Samaritans, they, we don't talk to one another, we don't like one another, and you're asking me for a drink of water. And he says, if you knew the one who was asking you for a drink of water, you would ask for my water that will never run dry. Like, like I give you water that is living water. And she looks at him and she's like, because she's like, what are you talking about? She's like, you don't even have anything to draw water with. He didn't have anything physically. She's still thinking in the physical realm. And he says, no, no, I, I'm offering you a very different water. And then it goes into this fascinating conversation where he reveals, he sees everything in her. Everything that's going on in her. By the end of it, she is absolutely astounded by who she has met. But the point is, Jesus is speaking of himself as the very source of this life-giving water. Now, Jesus' invitation is costly. We see it throughout Scripture. It is surrendering your life to him. Jesus doesn't let us off and say, oh, yeah, you can do whatever you want, live your life how you want, like, you know, just claim a couple things. No, he says, like, this is costly. You have to lay down your life to follow me. But he says, I'm promising you if you do this, if you surrender your life and lay it down for me, I promise you it is abundant life like you have never, ever known. 
Uh, I want consider the themes that we see every Christmas in a, in a thoroughly secular culture. We see these two themes again and again every year. This longing, this desire and longing for peace and joy. It's spoken of everywhere. And, it, and, and, and the reason is, is because it's revealing the desperate longing of the human heart. We so badly want it. But where are we looking for this? Where are we looking to? What do we think holds the promise of this for us? Where do you think it, the promise of that is found? What will heal the ache in your heart? When you slow down to actually, what's going on in my heart? What will bring great joy for all people? That's the question. The one who desires to pour it into your life. Jesus longs to pour it into you. Jesus tells us, John 15, he says, as we abide in relationship with him, as we are in him and our lives are rooted in him, it's that phenomenal picture of being rooted in him. As we remain in his love, he says, your joy will be full. So, if, so if, I'm, if I'm dealing with a real lack of joy in my life, like if I'm like struggling for joy and going, I, I'm, I'm wrestling for joy, like not, not circumstantial happiness based on a third rack on a dishwasher, but if I'm like really want joy and I'm struggling for it, then I know why. It's because my relationship with Jesus is lacking. I need to go deeper with him. I've lost connection with the source of joy. If I have connection with the source of joy, the promise is I will have joy. And I won't be trying to fill my happiness bucket. Now, I think there's a real danger that we hear of this joy and we are inclined to doubt. We live in a deeply, deeply cynical and distrusting culture. And if something sounds too good to be true, we are usually like, yeah, it, it probably is too good to be true. And many times it is in our culture. So I, I want us to consider just here for a couple minutes as we end the passage that we heard from Luke 2 this morning. Why would a company of angels, now a company of angels, if you don't know, is about four to 600 angels. wasn't like 10 on the stage. <laughs> that was great. Four to six hundred angels in the sky, lighting up the sky, proclaiming this news. Two shepherds. Have you ever thought about that? Why in the world are they going to shepherds? Why are they not going to the heart of the Roman government? Why are they not going to the religious leaders of the day, to all the Pharisees? Why are they not going to the who's who of Roman culture and announcing it? They go to shepherds in the field. Shepherds were on the low rung of society. They were, they, people disregarded them. They were unimportant. They just saw them as whatever. They're shepherds. They smell. They're dirty. They tend sheep. That's who the angels go to. And I think that's the point. That for those of us who might hear of this joy and go, maybe you're this morning, you're sitting here and you're going, I don't know. I don't know. 
I struggle to believe that God really cares for me on this level. I find it hard to believe that this joy is for me. I have been there in life. And you go, I don't know that this is for me. And I think that's where the shepherds speak of God's heart. He chose that they would be the ones to encounter Jesus and spread the word. It is a what what kind of moment in scripture. brings me back to Isaiah 12, specifically verse 5. Sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. This is true of every single one of us who have encountered Jesus. He has done glorious things. This isn't about me. This is about Jesus. He's done glorious things. Many of us sitting here go, he's done glorious things in me. And if you haven't encountered that Jesus yet, I want to talk to you. I'd love to talk with you and pray with you because that Jesus is who we all need. Because in Jesus, there is fullness of joy and it's offered to each and every one of us. You know, as we head into this week leading up to Christmas, and it's going to be a hard week. New restrictions. People are going to struggle with this. There's going to be all sorts of back and forth. I get it. Pursue joy. Pursue joy. Pursue Jesus. Go after it. Go after him this week. There, there, you know, there, there's, there's, there's so many things this week that we're going to enjoy, right? There's things that we're gonna, we, we look forward to this week leading up to Christmas. And it is, but there's something so profoundly glorious about encountering Jesus in this week and who he is. And so, I just encourage as we end, practice praise this week. Be willing to witness and go to Jesus with your thirst. Victor, if you guys want to come up, let's let's pray. Father, I want to thank you that you are so good. Father God, you are so, so gracious, you're so merciful. Thank you, Jesus, that you came. And Holy Spirit, I thank you right now that your presence is here, and it's sweet. Your presence is sweet. And we long for you, Jesus. We long for you. We long for more of you. We long for your return. Jesus, would you come and would you meet us this week? Right now, in these, in these moments, right now, as we close, would you meet us, Jesus? We thank you, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you 
for your joy and your invitation of it. Would you pour more of your joy in?